Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Ladies and gentlemen, Vanessa Hurst is back for this episode, for another great episode, and we have a discussion about a variety of topics. Uh, we talk about finances. We talk about how to get a hold of school district finances, where they're spending their money, how they're spending their money, where that wasteful spending all goes. And uh, we discuss COVID policies and all the other mask-wearing nonsense and then provide an awful lot of advice as to uh, what people should do to take the power back here. And, of course, we talk about um, private schools and homeschooling and a number of other issues. So we also make some predictions, as you might expect, because, well, that's what we do here. We do that to inform people and allow people to critically think for themselves because, of course, that's the entire idea. And it's the lack of critical thinking that has got us to this point, but it's got to stop sometime. And we've got we've to take control back and we've got to start thinking again. So with that said, here's another part to COVID is a Trojan Horse with Vanessa Hurst. What does your son think about what's going on and what, what's his perspective on, on everything? He understands, you know, what's going on is wrong. You know, and, and we, you know, we've talked to him, we've, you know, tell him, you know, this is happening, this is what might happen. So he right wrong with what's going on here. Um, as far as, you know, a perspective, he's just, you know, he's just a 13 year old boy and, you know, he wants to go fishing all the time. So he really just isn't that if I'm not satisfied or, you know, me and my husband aren't satisfied with, you know, the way things progress with the work-based learning and the um and, and just the way things are in the high school that he will be most likely end up homeschooled and he's okay with that you know he's he's a hundred percent on board with that yeah i uh you know that's that's one of the things that i've been interested in is the student perspective as to what's going on i mean i've been reading student perspectives as to what's going on but i've never you know i'm not hearing it directly from them other than, of course, yeah. the kids who show up to a board meeting and start yelling about the way that they're being treated in XYZ, but really getting the teenager perspective as to what's going on. Because unfortunately, what we're being shown is the normalization of this insanity. Right. And, um, and, there are, and of course, the mainstream media and anybody on TV is never going to have a teenager on saying this is an abomination, this is fascism, this is whatever. I mean, they're... Well, they're, I mean... Yeah. As far as the, the mask, you know, the, the mask mandate, which our, our governor just yesterday, you know, the day before yesterday, um, mandated masks in all schools in Kentucky um, for vaccinated and unvaccinated from age two all the way up to 12th grade. So so he's even um, got all the elementary, preschool, everybody. Yes, yes. Two-year-olds are supposed to be wearing a mask. Two and three-year-olds. So... Um, as far as that goes, I can tell you my 13-year-old is absolutely against it. He thinks it's a load of crap. Um, and, you know, what little bit, you know, he does know about the virus and how viruses spread. And, he, you know, he knows it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's garbage. Um, he's not as vocal as my 11-year-old, who is absolutely just livid pissed off when he found out he has to wear a mask to school. They just started school today. And he's like, this is just, this is bull crap. He's such a tyrant. These people are idiots. And he's just carrying on about it. But yeah, I mean, the kids do see it for what it is and, and they don't even have to be told. I don't even have to tell my kids about any of this or what is or isn't the truth in it. They, they figure it out. They're pretty smart and they're, they're small human lie detectors. If you've ever been around kids enough, you know, they can spot a fake or a phony, you know, in a room, crowded room full of people, they could spot them right off. They're, they're really good about that. They can, um, and they can spot them among teachers and administrators too. Oh, absolutely. Which I think absolutely. is great. <laughs> yes. Yep. Um, well, I just yeah, heard, so, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say Fauci just yesterday was on TV uh, ranting and raving about how all teachers need to be jabbed. So my another uh, a question that I had, you know, maybe before we get into some more Nelson County specifics was um, 
what what are the perceptions among the teachers from from your angle? You know, are any of them talking with you or, or reaching out to people that you know about what's going on? Have they been jabbed? What what percentage do you think has been jabbed? I'd say it's probably close to fifty to sixty percent have gotten the jab. Um, but as far as how they feel about mandates, it's all over the place, and you know, I. <laughs> it really is, sadly. Um, but something interesting that kind of leads into something I happened across. A relative of my husband sent me an invitation to a private Facebook page, um, Kentucky Teachers in the Know. And I've just been kind of hanging around on this this site, um, checking out you know what's what teachers are saying on this site because it, it, it is private. So you know, not the only way you can see it is if you're invited to it. And I have been absolutely appalled to see how many teachers are absolutely for mandating masks and mandating vaccines and how, I mean, on this one specifically, it's Kentucky specific, but you know, absolutely worshiping the governor for his you know, tough stance on keeping people safe. Um, I mean, there was enough on this specific site that it, it makes me want to, you know, if if people had kids, you know, other high school or, you know, find two or in public school, absolutely not. If this is how they feel about it, if this is how teachers are leaning, then no, I don't want my kids involved in this at all. So it's kind of interesting to be able to watch this from the inside. <laughs> So yeah. see all these opinions of these teachers that think that they're, you know, they're, well, that feel safe in this private little forum. And uh, so they really voice their opinions. And it's, it's been very telling. And frightening, clearly. Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, um, it, there's, let's see, well, there was a Kentucky principal or a Kentucky superintendent actually that called, that left a one call for his students and he called. Andy Bashir, a um, liberal lunatic, in the message for parents. Um, <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah, but it, the, the attacking of his character and leadership, you know, just for having said that, um, you know, teachers, very unprof you know, unprofessional, he, think he's the lunatic, and, you know, that's not good leadership, you know, comments on there. Just, it's been interesting. It's been very informative to be able to watch this from the inside, watch what some of these teachers are saying. But also, like I said, it's just having that inside access now, you know, it really, like, this looks, it looks like the majority of, of teachers are leaning in this direction, and it's, it's terrifying. It really is. It's terrifying as a parent. It's terrifying as a taxpayer. And yeah. I would advise everyone, everyone that has children in public school to pull them out, put them in private school. If you can't afford that, find a way to homeschool because you can homeschool and still work full time. I know people that have done it. So it's not impossible. Yeah, it's definitely not impossible. Um, and that's one of the things, of course, that I've brought up on, on a number of occasions is that, and it falls right in line too. I, I should give credit where credit's due. It, it falls right in line with the Robinson curriculum, which is a homeschooling curriculum that exists. Um, from my perspective, the Robinson curriculum is a little disorganized. It's kind of mm -hmm. sort of, it's, it, there's a lot of content, but it's, it's sort of all over the place. And it still allows the, the, the parent to decide what to do when, which is a good idea. But um, looking at it from, from the outside in, the Robinson curriculum can be very overwhelming for someone, in particular the first time that they're, that they're looking at it. Uh, but what the Robinson curriculum does do, and it says this, and this was the thing that stuck out to me the most, it said, if your child is in fourth grade and can read and write, then they can, they can homeschool themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, they can teach themselves if the, if the content is in front of them and they know how to read directions and read from top to bottom and, I mean, and listen um, and then, of course, use a laptop computer appropriately or, you know, even a, a tablet appropriately to look up accurate information, not using Google, of course, and even not using YouTube all the time. 
um, uh-huh. but using alternative methods. If they can read, then they can teach themselves without adult direction. And that right and that I mean that oh, go ahead. Now I was gonna say that right there is the thing that no teacher wants to hear anybody say. Uh-huh. And they don't want no administrator wants a knowledgeable human being to say that, repeat that, and then get people to know that that's a fact. Because once that happens, it blows up their entire charade. Yes. Well, and I'm living proof that that's the case because I was homeschooled off and on uh, from the time I was in second grade. And then I was in, I did two years of middle school. And then from eighth grade through high school, I taught myself. I did. I taught myself and I graduated. There you and go. so, you know, it's very, very possible. And my siblings, they were, um, I think my youngest my youngest brother never went to school. He was homeschooled all the way through. One of the smartest people I know. And it, he's completely, I mean, until the point where, you know, my mom taught him to read and, you know, basic mathematics skills. And then you reach a certain age, I think it was around fifth grade. We were basically given our textbooks and we made our own schedule and, you know, went from there. And all of us graduated with no problem. One brother that graduated that, you know, homeschooled, when I went to go to college, he um, he got his bachelor's and he's an RN. He made the president's list every single year. And I know several homeschool families that they've you know graduated high or college and have done wonderfully. So yes, it's absolutely possible for a child to teach themselves. I mean, all they need is just a little direction, a little guidance. It's not you know. I'm living proof that that's possible. One of the homeschools that I came across recently, and apparently it's rather popular, and it's been around for quite some time, and I'm going to mispronounce it again, but it's called abeka.com, A-B-E-K-A. And uh, it, too, is a Christian-based homeschooling curriculum and homeschooling program. You get online. You know, anybody can look up their materials, look up, you know, what, what it costs, how it's all organized. I haven't done an in-depth uh, look at it yet, but I've heard a lot of people online talking about it, say it's great. Um, I've had parents, I've read about parents looking at it, say it's great, and say that this is the first year that they're homeschooling. Their children are looking forward to it. They, as parents, are looking forward to it. If for nothing else than just the sheer opportunity to pull them out of an abusive environment. Um, where clearly teaching and learning is the last thing on anybody's mind. Yeah. So. I actually, my parents used Abeka when, the back in the, way back in the 90s and early 2000s, um, Abeka and Christian Light Education were the two, or two homeschool programs we used. Nice. Well, then yeah. you know you know all about it then. Yes. And it was really good. They had a really, I really liked their um, their world history was very in-depth, and it was from a Christian perspective, which was really, really neat. So, What are the materials like? They're, I mean, they're clear and concise. They're, um, I mean, but of course, we're talking, I had textbooks back in you know, the 90s, so, and they were old textbooks. We had gotten them from somebody else, but they were, they were very well put together um, from what I can remember. Um, I, I enjoyed history, so that was, I really, I was really impressed with those with their history program. Well, let's get into some Nelson County uh, stuff here. Go ahead and and provide kind of the latest. I I watched the videos that you had sent on your YouTube channel, which is cool, by the way. Mm -hmm. I really like it. Um, Thanks. And the audio was kind of bad, but but what was interesting was is I was I was watching the faces of people as you were talking and some other people were getting up and talking. And uh, the looks on their faces were very, very telling. I mean, you can tell that they don't like you at all. <laughs> and, I mean, that's a compliment. That I mean, that's a yes. compliment to you because if you're pissing them off, that's a good thing. Right, right. And, I mean, you can see their eyes rolling. And I don't know if it was your husband who was recording or whoever, but there was a moment where someone is talking it was either you or someone else and the camera rolls over to bradley's face and he's just rolling his eyes and leaning back with his nose up in the air just like who the hell is this person you know whatever right i mean it's it's remarkably telling just their nonverbal communication 
Um, but you mentioned that it was either in that meeting or a previous meeting, although I think it was that meeting, where they also said that they, they were extending Wes Bradley's contract, which wasn't yes. supposed to be extended until December. Mm-hmm. So kind of pick up there and, and what you've learned and what you've picked up on um, from that standpoint. Well, the they held a special called meeting before the regular school board meeting. So they had to, of course, when you have a special called meeting, have to have 24 hours notice posted in the newspaper or some media somewhere. Um, a lot of us didn't know that that they, that they were doing that. Um, it, it, we didn't, nobody figured it out until we got there and the board members were in closed session discussing his performance and contract renewal. Um, and then they came out and they they vote in public so they voted for it was four to one to is it four, yeah four to one to renew his contract for another four years the one board member that did not vote to renew his contract was diane barry and diane has been more vocal um as time goes on but she's absolutely vocal about the um the merge she's 100 percent against it and the um, sorry, the middle school, high school merge, the merging the, the two or all the middle schools into the two high schools. Um, she, uh, but when I had talked, when I had spoken with her afterwards, she says that she never renews a con. She says she never votes to renew a contract more than two years. She says that she's against giving any superintendent, no matter how good they're doing, she's against giving a full four years. She says, because then that just, it costs, the district money if something happens and they have to pay out that con- that contract. Um, so so she just wanted, you know, she made that clear that she never voted for four years, but they voted to renew his contract for four years. They felt like he was doing an excellent job. I found it very interesting. Um, the, the board chairman is Diane Breeding, and the board chairman is the one that calls the, the meeting. Um, I was curious, though I asked around a couple people I know in other districts too, you know, at what point does a superintendent renew their contract? Because I assume because his evaluation was in December that it would renew in December before the contract was up. Right. That's not necessarily the case. Whenever the board is ready to discuss his contract renewal, they can do that at any time. Um, Generally, it's halfway through his contract is when a superintendent wants to discuss renewal. Um, in this case, he had held off on renewing his contract, which was really interesting. Um, and I don't know if that was at first, my initial thought was to, it was, it was because he wanted to maybe make sure he had four, um, or at least three or four of the board members on board with renewing it. But then I, you know, I had spoken to some other people and it was mentioned that often a superintendent will wait out renewing the contract until he's first, you know, he's certain that he's not going to get a better offer somewhere else. So that's another, another possibility is that maybe he was waiting on another job offer or something somewhere else, which the only thing bigger, you know, superintendent would be to go get a job at the state level. Um, my personal opinion is that he's probably shooting for commissioner of education in Kentucky would be my guess, um, which would put him in charge of all public schools in Kentucky. It's like su- um, superintendent of the department of education. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, that, that would be, I think that's that just my opinion that that is what his goal would be. He seems like the type of person that wants to just keep going, take, stepping up the ladder rather than settling here in his old hometown of Nelson County. Um, but Let me ask you two quick questions about his credentials. Does he have anything over a master's degree? No. Is he working on anything towards having anything over a master's degree, to your knowledge? Not to my knowledge. He'll never get that job then? 
I mean, he, he, yeah, I mean, he, he, they tend to, I mean, you're right. I mean, who's to really know, but they tend to hire either EDDs or PhDs for those, for those positions because for, for the sheer purpose of looks, I mean, it, it just looks nice because they get, you know, they call them doctor yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, if yeah, it, it, that, that would, that would be interesting. I have no doubt that he was hedging his bets. Um, as, as best as he could, but mm-hmm. yeah. Another interesting thing we found out during that meeting, they, um, <clears throat> they were bringing before the board, um, Laura Arnold, the workforce development director for our district. Um, she was asking the board to approve for her to apply for a grant with Kentucky or with the state of Kentucky to, for, potentially $10 million to renovate the area technology center, which Nelson County is now in fully control, full control of. Now this grant was only going to be available to area technology centers that are controlled or run by individual school districts. So the fact that um, Nelson County recently acquired this area technology center from the Kentucky department of education and Nelson County is now in full control of the ATC, they now have the ability to apply for this $10 million grant. Um, and their goal is to um, call, or the, the, to create, they call, want to call it the Ignite Center. There's one in Danville, Kentucky. Um, and apparently it's like state-of-the-art uh, ATC. But that that's their goal with this. And that, I think, was really what pushed Diane Breeding, who was on the fence about West Bradley, but the possibility of getting this grant and seeing what this other area technology center was, I think that kind of pushed her back into the West Bradley camp. Um, and cause she called for the meeting for its contract renewal. She, she has to as the chair and then she elected to renew his contract for another four years, which I thought was, it was a little shocking to a lot of us because, you know, a lot of us have, you know, a lot of us parents and, and people involved in this have been speaking with her and she told all of us, of course, she could, you know, maybe she's blind, probably is, you know, you know, about a lot of the stuff that's going on in the school doesn't, you know, quote, pass her smell test. That was one of the things that she consistently said. So I thought that was, that was rather interesting that she so quickly or seemingly so quickly just flipped a switch and now she's in completely in West Bradley's camp and big fan of the things he's doing. Yeah. Money talks. Oh yes, it does. <laughs> and when you've got 10 million in your back pocket, making 5,000 disappear in a blink of an eye is pretty easy. It is. It is. Um, speaking of money talks, one of the people that are working, um, on, you know, fighting some of the things going on in our district, got or sent an open record request for several things. And one of those things was a vendor fiscal year summary from the Nelson County Board of Education. And it's, I was going through it and finding several interesting things. Our district is, and the way this person, I don't know if she wants to be named, but the way she put it, you know, it looks like our district really doesn't care about education, but more about image. And so she highlighted a couple things. One of the things that was um, money taken out of the general fund for renovation. And it looks like they spent well over $70,000 um, renovating central office. Now, central office had just been built um, less than 10 years ago. So it's not, it's not falling apart by any means. And it's certainly... I don't see that it needed that much renovation. Um, but anyway, so furniture and fixtures for central office and supplies, $94,000. Um, just And then one of the um, companies that did the rebranding for every school, so every school got a new logo, got new um, graphics, in hallways and gymnasiums and banners for outside for the light poles on the schools and new signs, all the design work for that was done by big echo creative LLC. Um, big echo creative is run by the daughter of somebody that used to work at the office and is now 
uh, assistant principal at one of the middle schools in Nelson County. So, you know, no inside connections there. But Big Echo Creative made $81,927.40 of taxpayer money rebranding the schools. That's just design work. That's not even printing. Unbelievable. All the printing all the materials, that's that's a separate that's a separate charge somewhere else. <laughs> um, more office furniture, twenty nine thousand um, dollars. Painting, thirteen thousand. The person that's the the company that is that did all the painting for thirteen, almost fourteen thousand dollars, is one of the work based learning leaders. Kids. So we have a lot of you know nepotism going on. If you start to look into some of these vendors and, and who they belong to and then you look up who they're related to and you know it all kind of circles back around it's kind of interesting another thing that um was found is that every one of the construction pro- projects done in our district is by the same construction company which is a local construction company somehow they always get the lowest bid uh, the same construction company does now you go over in the independent district in Bardstown, Bardstown Independent Schools, and they're building an entirely new elementary school in Bardstown. And um, they're the construction company that won the bid for that was out of Winchester, Kentucky. So, you know, somehow this, the other local construction company didn't get the in Bardstown. So I, you have to wonder, is there somebody on the inside that said, hey, this is what we, we can spend, so here's what you need to bid. Um, it's kind of like insider trading type stuff. I don't know. But somehow the same construction company gets all of the construction, even though it has to be bid. Just like the, um, I haven't heard of, or I don't know, I guess I'd have to really dig into the meeting minutes um, for the district, for the board meetings, but that big echo creative, that design work, I don't think it was ever bid on. Now I could be wrong. And if I'm wrong, somebody out there, please correct me. But that design work, I don't think it was ever put out for bid and it should be as a publicly funded um, institution. It should be put out for bid, but lots of inside connections, tons and millions and millions of dollars spent in some strange places. You have to wonder so the yeah. more you dig into it, the bigger it gets. <laughs> no kidding. I saw the list. And before I just provide a couple of observations that I made looking at the financial list, tell people how they can get a hold of the financial list within their school districts. So you send in an open record request. And if you don't know how to write an open record request, there are tons of templates online. Um, you can look for specific templates for your state. Um, so so you have you know the specific laws regarding open record and freedom of information act for your state specifically um so just look up one of those templates and then and just plug in your own information and the specific information that you want to get from your school um or your your district so for a for this vendor list which kind of shows everything in this specific year that the schools have spent money on um, it, it would be called a vendor fiscal year summary um, and, and they can easily you know that's not something that's hard to do they just you know create a munis report munis is a program that they run to track all their financials but um, they'll just create a munis report and send you a pdf of it it's not a big deal for them to get together and you as a taxpayer anybody as a taxpayer has the right to look at what they're spending and where they're spending it yeah, it was close to sixteen million from from what I saw, something like fifteen point nine million. And mm-hmm. just one observation I made. Well, there were a few. First was is the number of out of state organizations that they pay money to, and you can't really see what it is that they're purchasing. You just right. you just see, or at least I couldn't. I couldn't tell. I, it was you know it was a company name or an you know and, and a company address, and then a lump sum of money goes to them. As far west as San Francisco, mm-hmm. um, and as far east as New York, New York City. I mean, it was weird. 
down in Dallas, Texas, same thing. And then you start to see some of the money that that apparently goes to some local people, and it'd be $187 here or you know, 80 bucks here or $500 there, and you can see, again, their local addresses in your general area, and it's just my wheels are spinning and just saying, well, what is that $187 for? Uh-huh. Is, is that for a, you know, a, a dinner out? Is that for um, a car payment? I mean, wh- what is it? So... Yeah. And in some cases, because I did, I have done some bookkeeping for, um, a company before some, some of those cases, it's like refunding something that they purchased for, you know, so like you go to say a teacher goes to Hobby Lobby and purchases craft supplies for a project she's going to work on. Then she take the receipt, turn it in, and then they pay her a check to refund. So, you know, in cases that, that could be what that's for. Um, but some of the, I mean, like some of these amounts are, again, I don't know what they're doing with it exactly. But, yeah, they're exorbitant. Um, <laughs> some of them are like $91,000 goes to Dallas, Texas. And I went, for what? Well, and and that's where I started doing, I started going through some of them, the, some of the ones that were over 10000 So, you know, like tech solutions, some of them were um, to keep an eye on like spam and emails. I know that's a big, that that's a big issue, I guess. Um, one of them, like apparel and awards factory, 53,000, that's a local t-shirt and trophy, um, place here in town. So 53,000 in, I guess, t-shirts. Um, and again, you go back to the image thing, which they do a lot of t-shirts, the iHeart NC, um, they do. I mean, there's iHeartNC on everything, and people's has they have stickers on their cars, they have them on their, they have mugs, they have travel mugs, whatever. That's that's a big thing um, in the in the district. And then you have different things like um, there's Adams and Morton Enterprises. That's GBA Office Solutions. That's forty thousand dollars. That's printing. Um, so I'm sure, like all these wonderful like brochures and magazines and different things that we all get that, you know, just this bunch of flashy design work that honestly the design isn't even that great. um, So the printing costs for that stuff, $40,000 is the one company that they, um, and then there's JCA media. It's audio systems. It's $12,000 H there's a Kronos incorporated. That one, um, I think was out of Texas. That's HR payroll solutions. Lakeshore equipment, education supplies, $12,000. So yeah, I went through and kind of uh, just just kind of look, looked up the information. Um, there was the Reading Group Companies, that's insurance, $345,000 for insurance. So just different things like that. So you just have to, you'd have to go through and, and research each individual company and there's a lot there are a lot but i was just i was just kind of going over the ones that were over ten thousand. so a lot of them they do um their safety compliance solutions and um different technology software for different things lots of furniture purchases i don't know i don't even know the last time like my kids started school at st catherine today and they're still using the same desks that they had in the 50s which I think is wonderful. It's yeah. wrong with it. <laughs> That's super cool. I like that. Yeah. I've always yeah. said that I've always said that school buses, if they were to even exist, that they should look like the old time trolleys. They should. You know, just make it old school. Just bring it back kind of the, to the way it was. I mean, heaven forbid they use chalk. Uh, right, you know. which they do have chalkboards at St. Catherine too. That's, they don't have that anymore in the public schools. Oh, so. That's awesome. I like it. Yeah. But, uh, and then I came across, they paid $21,150 to the big picture company or the big picture education. And big picture provides for our school, an app called Emblaze. And I've talked about this before. Emblaze is an app that kind of, um, it's kind of like LinkedIn, but for teenagers, it's for internships and, learning and it the emblaze was what i found that was partnered with the qatar foundation 
um, the Chan Zuckerberg Foundation and the Bill and, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So you go to Big Picture Learning. It's Big Picture Learning. Bigpicture.org. And you can look or you can poke around the website. But in on their main page, let me get there real quick. It says, the first thing that pops up is pictures of, you know, people with microphones and they're pointing and looking angry or whatever or concerned. And it says, right under that, it says, it is our vision that all students live lives of their own design supported by caring mentors and equitable opportunities to achieve their greatest potential. We move forward prepared to activate the power of schools, systems, and education through student-directed real-world real world learning. We are activists. So to really get to the bottom of what this big picture learning is, you have to kind of poke around their website and go to, I went to their blog because, you know, when they start talking about themselves is when they really give away what they are. Um, and they are, they're activists. They are creating child activists through schools. So I'm looking at I mean, it right now and it's absolutely <laughs> horrible. Yes. So we're paying over $20,000 out of our district to this place that is creating child activists. So is that their goal is to get this big picture learning within our district? I don't know. Do they even know what they're partnering with or that they're paying? I don't know, but um, it's very interesting. It's very telling to where our district is. Let me, re let me read this out loud. Uh, this is the, the section where it says what we stand for. And they have a, <laughs> it's hilarious, they have a Michelle Obama quote or something right at the top. But it says, we at Big Picture Learning stand for unbridled, fearless curiosity, and we will continue as we always have to foster learning spaces which create the wake in which students can freely and with courage pursue their passions and interests. From these spaces, we emerge. We have emerged teachers, architects, advocate, advocates, advertisers, policymakers, fashion designers, astrophysicists, filmmakers, musicians, future world leaders, and more. From these spaces have emerged second families made up of peers of diverse genders, races, religions, economic classes, and sexual orientations. We exist in an area in which populations of peoples and students who have rarely, if ever, enjoyed equitable opportunities find themselves further marginalized and demeaned. Uh, this, this adverse change in our nation's climate threatens the sanctity of the spaces in which students who, deserve, uh, who desire honesty, respect, and authenticity seek refuge. To those students and to all, <laughs> this is just horrible. Oh, this is awful. To those students and to all who possess an infallible curiosity for learning and truth, we offer this. We stand with you to lend strength in times of weakness, courage in times of fear, unity in times of division, big picture learning in times of small minded thinking. We remain awake, we remain alert, we remain hopeful, and we remain fearless. It's just, it's drivel. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just leftist drivel. <laughs> so the emblaze, you could find that also. It's linked on, um, I think it's under the initiatives on, on the top of their website. You go to initiatives, go down to emblaze, and I'll take you to the emblaze website. Scroll all the way to the bottom of the first page that pops up, and there you have it. You have um, right there, Chan Zuckerberg Initiative. Cutter Foundation, um, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is not honoring. Oh, look at that! It's there not, is it? No. <laughs> it's of course, they did get divorced, so who knows where, where that is? But and no one funny. ever stops to think. I mean, we've talked about these companies before, but no one, no one again makes those very basic connections. No one ever asks themselves the why question. Why are why are these organizations all involved uh, do they actually care about what's going on and the answer is no they're all communist organizations they're all they're all about control money laundering and and doing whatever they can to dumb down the student populace but to do that first you've got to dumb down the teachers and the administrators mm -hmm. and, and get them to buy into this right 
and you know that's something that I guess because having in the newspaper business, I always first because there would be certain advertisers who would want their stories put with certain or their ads put with stories, and that's in a newspaper. So when you're reading a newspaper, don't think that those ads aren't there by accident. Some of them are there on purpose and for a reason. Um, just the most obvious you have like a monument company wants their ad put with the obituaries just this just a small example that's a small town example but i mean you go watch just watch the news watch the tv news and you know you can see certain stories will happen before certain advertisers come on or certain advertisers want a story to follow their ad um and you know it's it's even more rampant than uh, that you but anyway, I've always looked for sponsors and um, and advertisers and and corporate who what corporations and foundations sponsor something. You know, when I look into it, so it's just all you have to do is look for corporate sponsors. Go to the bottom of any page, and you'll usually see that's who it's powered by. That's who it's that's behind this stuff. <laughs> amazing the emblaze app the emblaze app only exists in 10 plus districts mm -hmm. i mean they even show it here and these numbers are really weird looking 500 plus teachers 125 plus schools 10 plus districts but 36,000 plus organizations yeah isn't that isn't that weird yeah 10 districts and 36,000 organizations <laughs> Yeah, it's clearly, I mean, clearly schools are not their priority, but they want them to be their priority. Wow. Yep. Yeah, this whole this whole big picture learning thing is a nightmare. Yeah, so $20,000 of Nelson County taxpayer money, 20000 plus of Nelson County taxpayer money is going to this big picture learning for this Emblaze app, which is sponsored by the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative. That's awful. But all, but all you have to do, you have to just request that vendor list. You can see what your school is purchasing and funding and, and getting into as well. It's it's good information. People need to know that because again, they you know a lot of people, um, even in a local school a local school district where I live, one of the I watched one of their meetings recently and I mentioned it briefly on the podcast. But the guy got up to the front and he was asking for the finances. I mean, he wanted a list of what was being spent and then he wanted to know about the grade distribution among the different schools and you know, how they had all graded based on um, the state grading system, and they just stared at him. I mean, they didn't even, they didn't provide him with anything. So clearly he can do this on his own to at least find out about the finance aspect of, of all of this. Let me, let me ask you this question, kind of shifting gears a little bit, but you mentioned the last time that we talked about or the last time you were you were definitely on the podcast about the teacher vacancies in your district you said there were at least 30 and they were having a hard time filling them now that school has started where does that stand uh last i had heard it was still 25 vacancies um i'm i'm not sure about new haven specifically i haven't heard a whole lot out of new haven um however interesting though about new haven i have a teacher called me last week. It was in the middle of the day, which, you know, I work. So it, it was during work hours and she called and kind of frantic. You know, we only have one nomination nominee for or one nominee for parent site base. So we had a parent, we had two parents on the site base council. One of them had to step down because they took an assistant coaching position. So paid employees of the district cannot be on site base. So anyway, they were, she was scrambling trying to find another parent that, could possibly be nominated for the seat because the parent that was nominated is friends with the principal. That's so, no good. Frantic. I mean, calling like I have no connection with the school anymore, and you know who can we get on here? You gotta help me. Uh, I mean, I, I gave some suggestions, and hopefully somebody will step up and do that. But but yeah, that's that's the state of things. And yes, the last I knew, it was twenty five positions still open in the county. Go over the site-based thing one more time regarding, just very briefly, what it entails, how often you meet, and any tip that you would have for somebody if they were to get on that uh, on that committee. 
So site is, it's actually, they call it now, they call it school-based decision-making council. And it's a council of elective representatives. Um, there's three teachers, two parents, representatives. Um, they're voted on by, like, the teachers vote for teachers and parents vote for parent representatives. They um, go over school policy, so any policies regarding behavior, anything from behavior to homework to, you know, how the kids get dropped off in the morning, that goes through your SBDM council, site-based or school-based decision-making council. I still want to call it site-based because that's the old school way of calling it or saying it. But anyway, um, so, but not just policies, you do, you approve the master schedule for your school. So, and you approve bell schedule. So the, the counselor will put together the master schedule and the bell schedule and you approve that. You also approve teacher allocations. So, you know, like with New Haven, I know it's a small kindergarten through eighth grade school and allocating teacher, how many kids get put in a classroom and you also go over, you know, where the different classrooms are going to be for this year, if anyone needs to be moved, what spaces in the schools get used. There's also the, they used to approve curriculum for each individual school. Um, of course, curriculum and framework like that are not really used anymore, um, at least not in Nelson County schools. Um, so that's that's not really something that I've ever done with site based is approved curriculum. That was more when they had textbooks. Although I, I would, I know of a lot of teachers that would like to see curriculum come back um, to Nelson County because it just provides some framework to work within. But anyway, so, so curriculum. L l let me, let me, if I heard that wrong. So your County doesn't even have curriculum. Not necessarily. No. In fact, I have a I have a friend who recently retired from a Nelson County school and went to work at a private school. And she says she's using textbooks again and she has a curriculum to work within and she says she feels like she always has to look over her shoulder because if she did that at the Nelson County schools, she'd get in trouble. So that <laughs> that's a, I mean that's astounding. Number 1, number 2, what exactly then goes on in the Nelson County schools if there's no curriculum? They have to come up with it. They're, okay. Each, so in, each, the same, each individual building just kind of wings it? Or, or, do they, te or do teachers just do whatever they want? They, it, it's a mixture of winging it and doing what you want, from my understanding. Now, if I'm completely wrong in my understanding and how I've interpreted what's going on, then I have no idea what I'm talking about. But, but yeah, that's that's the way it has been over the last at least three years. So there's not now even this, there, there's not even a district curriculum director. No, good. Well, there is, but their their name their they'd be the name of whatever they are would be changed. Um, it I think it got changed to. Oh gosh, what is it now? Community. Okay. Engage community engagement something leader. Gotcha. They changed the so, name again. Yeah. Um, but the same teacher had they were okay. So the the main argument with a lot of these uh, this merger talk is because the smaller schools like New Haven and Boston don't have the same opportunities as the bigger schools like OKH and Bloomfield. Um, but sometimes what those opportunities turn into are not all the electives that, you know, everyone's being told these other kids are getting. So the electives look like this, you know, like this teacher wanted to teach financial literacy as her elective, teaching middle schoolers financial literacy. That's what she wanted to do. Obviously, she's a smart woman. She knows the kids need that. She wanted to purchase 
a Dave Ramsey program to teach financial literacy and was basically laughed out of the office because it was going to be too expensive and they weren't going to do that. They told her that she's a teacher, she's creative, she should come up with her own. Of course, you know, Sean, you're a teacher coming up with your own curriculum from scratch for something that's going to last an entire semester, let alone an entire year is damn near impossible um, for one person to do. Um, that's why you purchase a curriculum. And uh, so she ended up because she was a literate, she was a, a literate, she taught advanced literature and reading um, because she's an English teacher. And some other teachers decided to do the, go off on their own and create their own curriculum for whatever elective that they decided to do. One was business and another one, one was true crime. And because it's so much work to create this elective curriculum from scratch on your own, you know, when you have other classes, you have to teach too. If that was your sole thing to do for all the, you know, whatever grades you have to teach and however many times you have to teach us a day and, and, and a year, you know, that'd be one thing if that was all you had to do, but you have other classes you have to plan for and, and work around anyway. So the, the business teacher, it evolved into kids watching Shark Tank. And with the, the, um, the one the, with the, the teacher that was teaching uh, criminal justice, it devolved into watching true crime. And it got to the point where kids, these children, <laughs> these middle schoolers were tired of watching TV. They were watching too many shows. They were tired of it. Yep. And they wanted to learn something. Yep. So there's your opportunities that we're missing out on in New Haven and Boston. Our kids are missing out on the opportunity to watch true crime and shark tank all day or for an entire hour or however long the elective class was. That's awful. It's absolutely it awful. And yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've organized curriculum and developed curriculum from scratch and it can take time, but it's not, it's not overwhelming, and, it, and it's not an impossible task. This is actually the job of an effective educator. That's what they're supposed to do. It can start with a singular textbook if you want it to. That basically gives you an entire outline of general topics to discuss in a sequenced order. And, mm -hmm. and then you build from there. Toss in a little video here. Toss in a book there. Toss in a current event here. Have them write. Heaven forbid they start writing papers again. I mean, in my day, we had to write long papers, 10-plus-page 10, 10 papers, uh, you know, for a report here and there. And we did it consistently across the board with a number of different teachers. And then, of course, there were teachers where we never had to do any of that. But right. that kind of stuff is not... I mean, my God, if, if you don't have a curriculum and, and the money is being wasted the way that it is, and now you're working toward these communistic work camps where they've got you working, they've got the students working, uh, you know, 20 hours to 40 hours a week. Yeah, you're, the, the entire foundation has been completely ripped out of the ground. And now they're just, I don't, I mean, I don't even know what's going on there anymore. It's just patch jobs as they, as they wreck, as they wreck the district right, right in front of everybody. Um, we, we, we always seem to, to bring this back to the same thing, which is, you know, the school board members have got to, have got to lose an election. Absolutely. They've got to lose. They've, um, and you've got to fire Wes Bradley. Mm -hmm. Their first move has to has to has to cut him loose, and then go right through the district and and cut them loose, um, and then again you gotta you've gotta you've gotta completely rebuild the district from a foundational level of of teaching and learning. Yeah, that involves not spending money on furniture, but spending money on 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 textbooks and CD-ROMs and PowerPoint presentations, subject by subject, grade by grade. Textbooks, yeah. We went to uh, do a tour of the school before school started at St. Catherine, and it's the first time my sixth grader has had a textbook. That's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yep. I've seen, I mean, we, have a, we have a superintendent here in, in Southwest Ohio. He's in a total embarrassment. 
um, and he's in he's in charge of one of the larger school districts that exists in Ohio. I'll out him. His name is Matt Miller, <clears throat> and he runs uh, Lakota City School District. Um, <laughs> we'll already even begin with this guy. He uh, he he's 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 so ahead of the curve. He thinks that he decided a long time ago to do this um, superintendents in cars kind of thing, like the Seinfeld coffee in cars, whatever the hell it was. And so he would gather up all the superintendents and they would drive around and they would talk about the, the cool things that are going on in all their district, you know, in, in all of their districts. Uh, the ta this was all on taxpayer dime. Of course, he said it wasn't. We all know otherwise. And, uh, and I mean, people were just yelling about how stupid it was and what a waste of time and what a waste of money. This guy gave a TED talk at one of those TED conferences, which if you do any digging on the TED talks and the TED conferences, they're a cult. Um, yeah. And I've, I've listened to people who have attended those before online who, who give away the goose, so to speak, as, as to what's going on at those TED talks. They make everybody sleep in the same hotel rooms. So you're sleeping in a singular hotel room with like two other strangers. And then they make you eat lunch and all of your meals at select restaurants with those same people. So it's this giant commune that basically gets everybody to consistently talk and sleep and attend these sessions with the same people over and over and over again. You're not allowed to have any alone time whatsoever. This superintendent gave a TED Talk, and anybody can look it up, Matt Miller TED on, on YouTube, and he's giving this lecture, and he's basically promoting how everybody has to have an iPad in front of their faces, and everything is online, and everything is, is digital curriculum, and that's the way that it is, and that's the way it needs to be, and he's got a stack of textbooks on a, on a stool next to him, and he just takes them all and he just pushes them off the stool all over the floor and thinks he's hot shit for doing it. And then people in the crowd start plotting and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's nuts. And they, and they don't even, they can't even make the simple medical connection that more children are wearing glasses and corrective eyewear now than ever before in the history of man because they're staring at computers and iPads and cell phones all day long in their school buildings. I mean, it's like, it's A to Z hell, basically. But, but the simple fact that, that your sons have, have, you know, are holding on to a textbook now, um, even if there's some propaganda in the textbook, which we know that there is, but the older the textbook, the less propaganda there is. Exactly. Yep. That's... That's remarkable. Well, I, I'll tell you what. I definitely want to hear about their experiences throughout the rest of the semester and, and what's going to go on and what's going to happen. Um, if you have anything else to add, please do. But my, my last question for you is basically this. What are your overall thoughts and predictions on what you think is going to happen here in the coming, coming semester, coming year? My prediction for overall as a state, I think they're going to continue to push mask mandates. Um, the governor has a 30-day mask mandate in place here in Kentucky. Um, I imagine if he gets away with it, if it doesn't go to court and get overturned, I think he's going to continue it until the end of the school year. So masks are not going away. Um, I also I predict that vaccinations are going to become mandatory for all staff. Um, I mean, they're already, they're doing vaccine lotteries. They do a vaccine lottery here in Kentucky um, right now, or they're doing one. And now businesses and larger companies are starting to, to jump on that bandwagon and offer uh, a raffle for your vaccination. So just depends on how much you want to sell your soul for, I guess, um, if that's what you want to, I mean, if you have medical reasons that you want to do it and you feel great about it, that's that's completely your choice, but that's your choice and it shouldn't be mandatory. Um, I will say that I do have a, a sibling that works in medical the medical field, and he has recently come around and said that the talk that the kind of 
whispering at the water cooler is that the vaccine has actually caused the Delta variant to mutate. But you're not going to hear your doctor tell you that, and you're not going to hear anybody in the mainstream media tell you that. But that's the whispering that's going on at hospitals right now is that the the Delta variant was caused by the vaccine. But they're going to continue to push it. So it can continue to mutate, and it can cause problems. But yeah, that's that's just kind of an inside uh, thing that's going on in the medical community. They're they're ta- they know it. They're talking about it, but they're not becoming. They're not going public with it. So that's unfortunate. Yeah, it's something like ninety percent of all of the people in hosp- in the hospital right now who are sick are the jabbed. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I've come across this too, and it it. it takes it a step further than, than what your brother said. Um, and that is that there is no Delta variant that what's happening is that the people who have been jabbed are transmitting their illness and their side effects and disrupted immune system onto the unjabbed. Yeah. I've, I've heard that too. Yeah. Just like a person passes chicken pox from, from a person who has it to a person who does not. That person doesn't have to cough on somebody. That person doesn't have to sneeze on them or even touch them. It's a proximity thing, and the bo- the human body basically says, you know, alert, alert. This person uh, has a disrupted immune system, and then your own body, in its own defense against that person, starts to slough off cells and then have an immune response. So I find it very interesting and sad that... Um, even as the the healthcare workers, quote unquote, are are seeing this for what's going on, they're you know they're still not seeing it. Right. I mean, they're they're waking up a little bit maybe, but they're not they're not there yet. Flu and cold season is upon us, you know, here in October. So I don't know. I'm. It's festival season here in Kentucky, starting in September. I imagine a lot of festivals are going to start canceling. Um, and I, I, I just hope that people wake up and, and see this for what it is. I hope that they're just tired of it and start protesting and, and, and put not protesting in the streets, but pushing back and, you know, peaceful uh, noncompliance. And, and that's really all that it's going to take is just saying no. <laughs> has, has there been any talk in the, in, uh, among the parents or, or anyone in, in your area about uh, mass non-participation? regarding yes. regarding yes. parent parents sending their kids to these schools and and just saying we're just pulling them out permanently all in mass yes. there there has been quite a bit of talk about that um i know of a couple parents that have young children that are not going to send their kids to school at all because of you know partly because of the you know the stuff going on with, with the the scandemic but mostly because um you know, school stuff here in Nelson County. And then I've had, I've, I've heard of other parents that are just, they're just not going to send their kids to school with a mask. They're just not going to. So they say they're not. I hope that they don't, but we'll see. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. One of the things that I'm going to mention in this upcoming board meeting where I'm, I'm going to attend and, and give them my two cents is I'm also going to hit on the psychological aspect of what's going on and, and the um, the absolute destruction of the human mind in the, in this entire process because that too is, is part of this horrific plan that's been rolled out is you know you want to break a person's body body you got to break their mind first and uh, actually get them to inject themselves with the very poison that is going to hurt them um, Oh, I mean, we're talking about things like Stockholm syndrome and Munchausen syndrome, and yeah, I mean, they're just—they're ill. They're just but ill. We're we are in one gigantic abusive relationship with our government. They continue to manipulate and abuse us, and we continue to say, "Oh, well, they mean well." They don't. They never do. <laughs> People in power never mean well. Who they are, I don't care. You know, they're at the end of the day, they're always going to protect themselves and their own, and that goes for most people. Yep, that's just my really jaded view on the world, I guess. <laughs> no, that's a that's a straight shot, as far as I'm concerned. It's that's about as accurate as it can get. 
it's going to take the non-compliance that I don't know. I hope people actually do don't com- or actually don't comply and, and do what they they're going to do. And when it comes down to it, people are just they just don't you know people want it you know they're all online they're all you know against the things going on in our district and then when it comes to okay well you actually have to show up and physically be there and they don't or I'm busy I can't do it you just have to make it happen you have to you just have to it's your duty to your children it's your duty to your your county where you live but I don't know yeah, and, and to Nelson County, I would say, look what look what your non participation has done. You don't even have a curriculum. Yeah, you're losing your schools physically. You're losing them. Your children are all masked to the bone. Everybody's distanced. It's a slave camp, and uh, and you've got a tyrant as your as your superintendent, and he sh- and he and the board members have no plans on going anywhere. So you know it, it falls in line with that that old saying of you get exactly what you vote for, you know, you precisely. Yeah. Was it Thomas Paine that says, or said to the effect that I'm like, we have to fight hard so that our children don't have to fight the same fight. Do you want your kids to have to fight the same thing when they have children? Or are you going to do it now? You do it for your kids now so they don't have to do it later. Yep, it's a second American revolution. There's no doubt about it. I absolutely agree. And if if three percent of the populace could do it the first time, I, I think we've got more than three percent on our side this time. That's right. We just have to get up off the couch and do it. There you go. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless. <laughs>